Hello and welcome to a bonus episode here at the So Leadership Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is the second Q&A episode that we're doing. The first one was released just last week. And if it's the first time you're joining us, I want to welcome you to our leadership community. I want to welcome you to this podcast where we're, we're passionate about seeing a generation of leaders being equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we are doing. And so I want to extend um, a welcome to you if you're new, um, and I hope you find this podcast and this resource helpful to you. Today, we are going through the remaining questions that were sent in by some of our listeners in regards to how to lead at So. And most of these listeners are leaders at So, who we value very much, and we are excited that you are asking questions, and we want to answer them as best we can. Now, from the outset, I want to just clarify, there were a number of questions sent in about the topic of burnout and and wearing out in ministry. How can we avoid that? How do we identify it? I want to say from the top that we're not going to answer those questions here, because in the teaching podcast that's coming out at the end of this month, we're going to do a whole episode on burnout and sustainable serving. So I hope you can hold off until the end of June because we're going to give a whole podcast to focus, give, give our attention for a whole podcast to focus on this topic. Now, once again, um, we, we, we enjoyed having James um, in for the last episode, so I've invited him back just another week later. Um, James, welcome again to the show. It's great to have you along. It's good to be back. It's great to have you here. Uh, if you missed out on the last episode, James is one of our leaders here at So. He's been a part of So for a number of years, serving at UCID particularly as a student leader and as a president. He's now the campus coordinator for that campus as well. James, we're going to unpack some of these other questions that are here and we're going to dive straight into them because some of them are really, really meaty and really, really important questions for us to pick apart as we... Mm-hmm answer and as we go through our term of of leading in in whatever sphere we're in. Mm. So I want to throw the first question to you because I know that a number of weeks ago we were chatting about this kind of thing about um, leading and how do you lead small groups and some Mm. of the difficulties that come with that. And so I know you're passionate about this. I want to throw the question to you. And the question goes like this. It says, how can I lead a group that is not open in sharing or answering, answering questions? It's just the leaders talking. James, how would you counsel a young leader who's experiencing that difficult problem? This is an awesome question. And I think it's something that I guess is so so overlooked sometimes when when leading a group, whether it be just discussion groups as well. Mm. Um, I guess when it comes to leadership meetings, I'd actually refer you guys back to, I think it was episode three where, where Nodra was talking about leadership meetings and how mm. to run one. And so when, if you want to look more into leadership meetings, I'd advise you guys to go to that episode. Um, but it, when it comes to discussion groups or even reap groups, um, I want to cover it's quite a lot, but about six things that I want to, I want to stress um, when it comes to leading a small group. Um, when people are just not saying anything. And so, um, first, first of all, we need to recognize, you know, what is the purpose of these small group settings? Say, for example, discussion groups. And to put it very, very simply is, 
This is a space where you are engaging with the people. That's mm. why it's called discussion groups. You discuss as people. And so four things I think leaders should be looking at when approaching these settings is four words I want you guys to rem- remember is welcome, gauge, clarity, and dig. Mm-hmm. So welcome is very simple, is when you know, when the group starts, when the discussion group starts is from the get-go, you want to make <clears throat> this, this, I guess, group very welcoming and, and, and open and safe. And so you want to get to know everyone in the group, whether they're new or not. You want to catch up with them, uh, see how they're going, see how their week was going, um, and be energetic, smile, be interested in what they say, even if it's not that interesting, you know? <laughs> And so you want to ease them into this discussion group environment so that they feel already feel safe in, you know, just chatting and being open to chat. Hmm. Secondly, you want to gauge. You want to gauge who's exactly in your group. Is there someone you have never seen before in this group, for example? And I'll focus on that scenario first is if there is a first time or someone who's come only a couple times to your weekly meeting, um, do you think it's wise to ask questions that are very heavily Christian jargoned? Mm, you know, and sometimes there are discussion questions that are quite, I guess, heavy in a sense. And starting your discussion group with a very, a very famous um, line that quite a lot of leaders would say is, "Okay, let's go to question one and see what it says." And it's very, comp- it's very, um, it's very it's more like a comprehension kind of discussion rather than an open chat with people. Mm. And so, you know, asking yourself, is it wise for me to, you know, just go through these questions one by one, or should I actually be trying to get to know where this person is at and what their actual thoughts are of the sermon and using, you want to be looking at the discussion questions as a very secondary source when it comes to leading uh, discussion groups. Um, And you only need to refer to them if you're really, really stuck on not knowing what to say. Mm. And um, the third thing is clarity. So this is very linked to the welcome aspect as well, is don't be afraid to just tell tell all the people in your group, hey, this is a space where you can share your thoughts, your opinions. You can disagree with me. You can agree with me. You can disagree with the pastor. You can agree with the pastor. You can say whatever you want. And that is that I guess stresses the idea of transparency. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point that you make there because I think so often we we think as leaders that we have to have all the answers Mm. and we have to have all the right answers and that can then transpire into leaders not, sorry, members not thinking that they can say anything that's different Mm. or express a question about something that was said because they don't agree or, or, or are disagreeing with someone else in the group perhaps in their view. So I think that's a really good point that, yeah, we want to create a space where people can openly share those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you ask these questions to them, this goes into the fourth point of dig. And so um, you want to be listening intently to what they say and you want to be asking them very deeply into what they're saying. And, and you want to be asking a lot of, I guess, open-ended questions where you get the people to think about your question and try and identify what it means for them. Mm. Um, And so, for example, um, you might, a question you might ask is in today's talk, Sid was talking a lot about finding joy in difficult times. And so how do you guys find joy in trials? And say a a bloke called Billy 
uh, he would say, I think it's about, you know, being content in the situation um, because God will help me through it. And you can dig by asking Billy like, hey, that's, that's a good point you made. But what do you actually mean by being content? Mm. What, does that, what does that mean for you? Mm. And so it's not, it's not a hard question, but you're identifying a specific thing that, you know, a member said and you're slowly chipping away at it and you're actually getting them to think a little bit more into what they're actually saying. Mm. And I think that's really important because you're pinpointing like, hey, so Billy said this. You know, what does he actually think about that? Yeah. And fifthly is just the don'ts of what, what you guys could be avoiding. And very simply put, it's not about getting through the content. Yeah. It's about connecting with the people. That's that right. is so important. You know, it's okay if you don't get through the, all the discussion questions. It's okay if you don't have all the answers as well. And it's okay if... Um, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, say you guys want to read the, read the word together during the, dis- the discussion group. It's okay if you don't get through it. It's, you know, it's not about flexing your knowledge onto mm. the, onto the leaders, it, not, mm. not the leaders, the members, but it's just about creating a space again, referring back to our previous episode of creating that safe space yeah. um, for people to share. Yeah. 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 Now, and that, that's, that's also really, um, I think helpful because if we think about why people don't share, Mm. or why they, they don't want to say anything. It's because sometimes I think people realize or consciously or subconsciously, mm. they can feel that elite is just trying to go through the motions. We're trying to give the textbook answers. We're mm. trying to get through questions one to four. We're trying to say all the right things. And so there isn't that space to to answer in, in the depth that they want to or in the, mm. in the way that they want to. So creating that space and remembering that's about engaging with the people, I think is, mm. a, is a really good point there for, for the fifth point there. Yeah, and the last point is silence. Good oh, old silence. I, I am not a fan <laughs> of silence. If you've been around me, I, I find this difficult. But yes, James um, does make a good point. James, tell us a little bit more yeah. about that. Um, so there are a couple reasons why people become silent. Um, from my point of view, I think they're silent because they're just thinking about your question. So they're taking their time and their thoughts they're nervous and they're unsure as to whether they should share or not. And thirdly, it's, it just wasn't a great question. Mm. And so these things also to just consider like, you know, why do you think they aren't responding? Was it because of how you facilitated the meeting or is it just a very difficult question you asked that yeah. actually thinking about it quite thoroughly as well? And so those are the six things yeah. I'll just clarify um, the six things that were said, which were welcome, gauge, clarity, dig, the don'ts, and silence. Yeah. I, I really like that point about silence because, as I said, I'm, I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of it. But I think your point, I think it was number, number two or three, where it mm-hmm. talks about gauge. You're mm-hmm. gauging the people. Different people engage with questions differently. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've, I've learned a little bit about. For me, if I'm not talking or if I'm not communicating in some way, it's really difficult for me to engage with the question. Mm. So for me, if I then have that mindset when I'm talking to someone else, I can then interpret them as their silence as, as not wanting to answer or not willing to share mm. um, or not willing to open up as the question puts it. But being able to understand your members makes it easy to understand when, what the silence means, that maybe people are thinking Maybe they need time to process. Maybe it wasn't a great question. Mm. So I think that's a, a really good point that you make to connect those two because I think that can help 
create a space where people can answer, mm. um, share opening and answer some questions. I think also one thing I would just add to that is that mm. it's important to ask the right questions and in particular, open-ended questions. Mm. So many times we ask questions that can be answered in one word or one sentence or two lines maybe. Mm. But we want to ask an open-ended question. Um, and we talked about this when we had Delaney on the show a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, and there's also a chapter in a book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Um, I know James is, has read it. I've read it. It's a great, question, it's a great book um, about personal ministry. And it's mm. got some good questions about open, sorry, good points about open-ended questions. I think it's chapter nine from memory in the book. And that's particularly relevant to caring for people, but I think that helps us learn how to ask the right questions, even in a small group setting or a discussion group setting. So I'd refer you to that as well, to ask good questions that entice people to share and to open up and to expand um, on what they um, are saying. Um, And I think also as well, there'll be some notes um, attached to the bottom of this um, this episode's show notes, yeah. um, notes from a previous seminar that we've run at So in regards to leading small groups, and they have some helpful tips about engaging with this question. So I'll direct you to that yeah. from here. Yeah, awesome question. Awesome. Uh, we'll move on to the next one, and it goes: How can I spur my leadership team to take on more for the ministry without burdening them? Yeah, and James, I, I really like this question. When, mm. I, when I saw it come through, I, I grabbed it and I said that, you know, this is something I want to make sure I'm thinking about and I'm mm. grateful and I'm excited that someone's asking this question yeah. because it shows that you care about the people mm. you lead. Yeah, It's a really good question. It shows the heart because it's really easy for us to say there are certain things that need to be done and just dump it on the people mm-hmm. that we lead, dump it on our student leaders, our execs, what have you. Mm. But this question shows the concern for their well-being. We, mm. we always say, or I've always said um, as, as, a, as, a, as a quote, that we always want to value people's welfare above their output. We want to mm. value their well-being above what they necessarily bring or can do in the ministry. And so this is a great question on how do we hold that intention? Because there are things that need to be get, sorry, there are things that need to be done, but we also want to make sure that people are serving sustainably. Mm. And so to do this, what I want to do is I want to give one overarching way or one overarching how, and I'm going to break that down into two tangible components that will hopefully help us spur our leadership team to take on more in the ministry. Mm. Now, the overarching answer to this question is we need to communicate regularly the mission and the vision. Or in other words, we need to regularly communicate the why. I've said this before, I think I said it two episodes ago, back in, in early May when we did the second, um, the second part of our, of our series of Leading Through Uncertainty. Mm. Craig Rochelle, who, who needs no introduction <laughs> on this podcast, I feel like we can almost call him by his first name. He says this, and I've said it before, he says, people will work for a what, but they'll give their lives for a why. I'll, I'll say that again just so we hear it. People will work for a what, but give their lives for a why. In other words, people will do tasks. They will get stuff done if that's what's given to them. If they are hearing the what, if they hear what needs to be done, they'll do it. Mm. But if you want people to take on things without it being burdensome, we need them to engage with the why. We need them to understand the reason behind it. And so in our context, that's so 
This includes regularly sharing and, and, and engaging with the mission and the vision of so. And so I want to give two tangible ways that we can help people understand the why, which will then help people take on more things or be able to do things that we need to do without it being burdensome. Mm. The first one is communication. We want to be regularly communicating the mission and the vision to our leaders, whether it be the ones that we directly lead or the ones that are two steps removed from us. Now, so often we tend to understand that as reciting the mission and the vision. But I want to suggest to you that there is a difference between being able to recite a mission statement and actually believing it, actually understanding it, actually buying into that statement, which is what we want our leaders to do. And so I want to suggest that when we talk about communicating the vision and the mission, yes, we need to recite it regularly in our meetings, in our corporate gatherings. We want people to know, hey, this is what we are about. We are passionate about discipling university students to love Jesus, to serve his church, and to reach his world. So we want to, yes, recite that regularly so people know it, but we also want to connect it. So we want to recite, but also connect. We want to connect it with the mundane things that we do. This is what I mean. So often we can think of the mission and vision as something that's up there in the sky, overarching everything we do, but there's no direct correlation between the tangible stuff we do or the tangible stuff that we're asking our leaders to take on and that mission or vision statement. Let me give you an example. Um, Follow-up. Follow-up is something that I think every leader, in my time at So, every leader collectively sighs when we hear those two hmm. words. In fact, I can, I, can, I can almost feel some of you guys sighing right now thinking about that word because it's something that's really difficult to do for some of us. We don't understand why we do it or it seems like a burden and it's hard. Hmm. How do we get our leadership team to take that on without it being burdensome, for example? What I would suggest is this, follow-up is ultimately about connecting people to the community. Mm. If someone comes into the ministry that's new, we want to connect them to other people in the ministry, firstly ourselves as the leaders, but then in the end to other members. And we know that that is important because we know that in community, people will grow and be challenged in their faith. The Bible teaches that we're created for community, that the church community and the group of brothers and sisters is so important in the Christian growth. And then we connect that, we know, and we say that, well, if community is so important, we can see that community is a big part in helping people to grow to love Jesus. That's the connection point. That's the touch point with our mission statement. And so when you communicate with your leaders, it's about helping them see that them messaging that first year that rocked up to weekly meeting last week is a part of a big channel, a big system, a big connection to a bigger vision of helping people to love Jesus. Because we know and we pray and we believe that if they're connected in community, they'll have a space to ask questions. They'll have a space to discuss. They'll have a space to be encouraged, to be held accountable. And in doing so, we'll grow to love Jesus more, which is part of our mission statement. So we want to be connecting the mundane to the mission and the vision um, statements that exist. So that's the first point, communicating um, that really well. Yeah. Um, 
something that UCID's actually trialing out um, this this semester. Um, shout out to Jess and Will um, is we're trying out monthly goals um, and how each goal or goals for each month is applied to our overarching UCID vision and ultimately uh, the SO vision. And I think the reason why we wanted to try this out was, again, what Anod was saying is being able to actually tangibly see your your vision play out throughout the year because mm. anyone can say this is the vision for the year and they can repeat it throughout each weekly meeting. But how are you guys actually measuring it? How do you yeah. measure... Um, the vision actually playing out throughout the whole year. And so I think, um, you know, we don't know if these monthly monthly goals are the best way to do it, but it's definitely something that we can tangibly see mm. that could help us progress and see our progress in achieving little goals for the bigger goal. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big part. You want to help people to connect, whether it be, as you said, James, in, in, in monthly goals or whether it be in the small little nitty gritties. Because mm. if we can communicate it, we'll, we'll be able to help people to um, take on more and, and, and want to do so. The second thing, just briefly, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that's important is to not just communicate it, but to also create a space to discuss it, mm. to flesh it out. See, often the people that we lead are not the ones that are going to create the vision and the mission, but more often than not, they'll be the ones that are executing it. Mm. And so we want to give a space. We want to, on a regular basis, maybe not every single week, but from time to time, create a space where we can discuss with our leaders how we are executing the mission and moving towards the vision in a, in a healthy space with, it, with those leaders. Because what that does is it enables them to feel as though they are actually a part of this mission. They're actually a part of taking this ministry towards the goal set out in the vision for the wider so community. And so creating space where we can discuss, where they can input, where they can have a meaningful say in how things are done can be a big part in helping them feel like they are buying into this vision. They are buying into the why. Yeah. And when we do that, when we communicate it really well, connect the dots really well, and when we create that space for people to engage with it and to, to share their views and to own the vision and the mission, they'll understand the why better. More than being able to recite it, they will understand it. And in doing so, that's how we can then spur our leaders to want to take on more, to, to do more things or things that are needed without it becoming burdensome because they are so engrossed. They're, they're bought in to the utmost degree to the vision and the mission and the why behind mm. the things that they are doing. Yeah. So that's how I would answer that question. Solid. We'll move on to our next question that's come in, and it's, it goes like this. The next two are, are sort of connected, but they're also um, a little bit different. The next question that comes in, it says, when I'm so invested in leading week in and week out, I start viewing things as tasks and logistics. How can I break out from this mindset? James, you want to kick us mm. off with some thoughts on that? Yeah, this is quite linked to what Anod was speaking about in the whole why thing. Um, I think... Um, it's it's how because it's you're you're asking um, I it's it's from your perspective right mm. I start viewing things as tasks and logistics and so I think it's good to always um, 
if you're the president or the vice president is if you're really stuck on the vision, chat to your campus coordinator and, and you know, the three of you can, can mould and discuss and, as, as Anodra was saying, discussing about, you know, what does this, vi- does this vision actually mean mm. and do I actually care about this vision? Yeah. Does this vision actually hit my heart to the point where I want to do these tasks because it's for the glory of God? And... Um, Again, just I'm just piggybacking off what Anot was saying was, um, how how sold are you as leaders to to the vision? Pretty much, mm. and if if you're really not, um, you will start to view things as tasks and logistical things. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's what I can add to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I think um, I think also just to, to flow, and I think it is connected to the previous question in, in some ways about mission and, and vision. But I think what we have to understand is that as people, we tend to simplify things as much as we can, particularly when mm. we need to. We, we want to find the, the lowest common denominator. So when things are really, really big, when we've, got, when we've got a lot to do, when there's a lot of things happening, we, we try to simplify things. And so if you think about all the things that you do at So, and you think about the, the tasks that need to be done and everything that's happening, and you try to simplify it, simplify it's really easy for you to simplify it to just tasks and logistics Mm -hmm. it's easy for because that's tangible it's practical you can feel it in your hands it's easy to simplify it to that level and so i think a big part of breaking out that mindset is creating space for as james said and as i've said before creating that space for you to actually make that connection between the mm. practical tasks and logistics that you're doing and the overall why or the overall vision and mission. And so what you might need to do is you might need to step back and say, okay, what are the things that I'm doing? Mm. Are there things that I can delegate in a, in a loving and in a healthy manner to another leader to do to create some space in my own heart, in my own mind to engage with the overarching mission and vision? Can I delegate some of the, the more practical tasks or responsibilities or ownership of particular areas to another leader. And I will direct you to episode number two, I believe it is, where we talked about delegation Mm. um, and the importance of of doing so. And so maybe that's one thing that we can do is we can delegate stuff so we can create the space for us to remember the why, remember the the mission and the vision. Um, I think one thing that I've done um, from time to time, which has been helpful, and I wish I did a, a lot more, is just sitting down and writing out maybe one sentence, maybe three pages if you're very verbose like I am, sitting down and writing out why a particular task or a particular area of the ministry is so deeply connected to the mission and the vision. Why is running an exec meeting so important when it comes to living out this, this mission of wanting to see people grow to love Jesus, to serve his church faithfully and to reach his world with the mm. gospel. Why is the meeting that I'm leading, why is that connected? Why is that important? And you might help find it helpful just like I have to write those things out or to, mm. to put, them, put it into some concrete way where you can continually come back to it and see it and be reminded um, so you can break out of that mindset where it's just tasks and logistics. Yeah. So creating some space, um, making that, that, that separation and, and, as James said, connecting it to the why, helping yourself understand the why. Because chances are if you as the point leader are seeing things as tasks and logistics, your members and the people you lead are going to be mm. doing so the same because yeah. the way you lead will communicate very much 
um, certain things to them. So it's important as a leader to create that space and do it as best you can. Mm. Awesome. We will move on to the second last question for today. And it's, it's sort of connected, but it's, it's sort of different. And the question goes like this, and, and James, I might ask you to, to start us off again mm-hmm. with this one, where it says, how can we be more united in leading with other leaders instead of having the mindset of coming in to lead once a week? So I think what it's saying is it's talking about how can we, I guess, be unified with our leadership teams rather than just coming in, ticking a box, and then um, skedaddling for the rest of the week. James, what, what are some of your thoughts on, mm. on that one? Um. Again, this is quite linked to the past two questions. Um, but when it comes to uniting together and leading together is um, leading shouldn't just be... I, th- I feel like this is referring to when it says once a week is weekly meeting. Mm. Um, your leadership shouldn't just be for that Tuesday or Wednesday, per mm. se. Um, when, you're, when you're leading these people in your campuses, it should be spread amongst the week if we're talking tangibly and, you know, practically. Um, because you, obviously you guys have your REAP groups, you guys have your Life 101s, you guys have your small groups, you guys have your um, outings and events and all that stuff. And you're doing that together as leaders. And so um, that's... They're the, I guess they're the practical hows in how you can mm-hmm. be engaging with your lead, with your leaders throughout the week, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. I think, I think even with that, I mean, it's a fine line. I mean, because some teams tend to veer towards having a very business relationship sort of thing, mm. where they are meeting together to get a job done, and then that's it. Other teams have a very personal focus where they're, they're meeting as, they're, they're, yes, they're leading together, but they're friends um, and they're connected in that way. And I think yeah. both met- methods have some pros and some cons. And it's about finding that, that balance between them. I think there's got to be space where we are meeting and, and um, having some healthy connection with our leaders and, and being invested in one, one another's lives, but also being very focused on why we're leading and what we're mm-hmm. trying to do. Um, and as James said, doing the things that we... Um, yeah. to do so yeah and I think like um, like when you're when you're leading with each other I think um, I think always viewing them as as people who are doing it with you mm. you're doing this together and I think that should be a really big encouragement knowing that you know your burdens are spread amongst you know 10 other leaders mm. and um, that should be the thing that, you know, spurs you on as well. Not just the vision, but knowing that this vision is achieved by 10 other people mm. beside you. Yeah. Um, awesome. And so, you know, you you guys are leading REAP groups together in a sense mm. with your with your individual REAP groups. You're leading Life 101 together. You're mm. leading w- weekly meeting together. Um, and I think a good way for you guys to, I guess, checkpoint together as leaders is to gather together as leaders from time to time and pray for each other Mm. and and chat and have honest conversations within your teams and fire away each other. Like, Hey, this is my opinion on this. Mm. This is how we, I think we should be doing this better. And having that conversation is you're again, building the team up together Mm. um, because you're having that discussion together in how you can be leading the campus together. Yeah. A lot of of togethers. (laughs) Um, and then finally, our last question is, should one stop leading if they feel like they do not have the right 
heart to serve, struggling with their own faith, but still leading in a big capacity, etc. Yeah. Mm. This is a this is a tough question. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll kick us off. I guess it's it's a question that I wrestled with because it's hard to give a real direct answer here from a leadership point of view mm. with without knowing exactly what the struggles are, what it is about their own faith that they're struggling in. Is it a a sin issue? Is it a doubt um, about God? Is it a, a uh, uh, absence of faith or, or, or so-called absence of faith. It's hard to, to answer that question in that regard. And so I want to suggest that this question is probably more of a pastoral question. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I am going to refrain from answering it fully because I think it's something that needs to be worked out with the the appropriate um pastor or, or, or council. And at so we've got um, currently got two campus pastors that I encourage you to speak to if you're asking this question, um, because they'll be able to help you understand where your heart's at and whether it's appropriate for you to keep leading or for you to step away. Because for some people, it'd be okay to keep leading depending on what the struggle is. For others, it's 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 um, important, if not mandatory, that they step aside. So I just want to encourage you, I guess the one thing I will say is that it's not simple, as simple as saying, my heart's not there, drop everything and leave. Mm. It's not as simple as saying, my heart's not there, but I'm just going to not worry about the feelings and just keep going as if nothing mm. happened. So I want to encourage you, if you're asking this question or you're wrestling with this question, seek out pastoral advice. Mm. Speak to one of the campus pastors here at So. Speak to your own pastor at your church mm. and, and seek their wisdom. Be honest with them. Say, hey, this is where my heart's at. These are the questions I have and seek their wisdom and counsel in this area. I, I will say one thing, though, just on a ministry level, on a leadership level. I think one thing that is important to do in the interim, while you are having that conversation with the appropriate pastoral leader, it's important to keep your direct ministry support or your mentors in the ministry informed. And so, for example, if you're a president or vice president, you, you want to tell each other. So if you're the president, tell the vice president. If you're the vice president, tell the president. And both of you tell the campus coordinator. So that within that small community, at least there's a, there's a sense of understanding that if one person needs a little bit of space mm. or needs to let go of a few things just to be able to balance things as they work through this with their pastor, they're able to do that. So share it with yeah. your direct ministry um, accountability person or, or support uh, people. And, and it might not be that you share everything and anything and everything. You might not share the depths of the struggle, but at least share enough so they can understand how it's impacting the way you do ministry and they can help support you and encourage you through that area. And so as you're seeking that pastoral advice, you can have that that person um, that you you serve with, particularly someone that you um, are accountable to in the ministry, also understanding so they can help you in a ministry setting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said at the top of the, the the show, that the questions about burnout and and being tired and exhausted, we're going to deal with them in the the teaching content um, podcast here at the end of this month, at the end of June. So please stay tuned for that. But I want to thank James for coming in and doing a second episode with us. James, it's been a pleasure having you this episode and for last month's episode. Um, and it's been a, a joy having you along. Yeah, it's been really fun, man. Round two. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Have to get you in for a round three sometime. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, as I said at the end of last episode, I want to encourage you, keep asking questions. Keep staying hungry. Keep seeking to grow 
as a leader, whether it be in the practicalities, whether it be as a person, whether it be on a spiritual level, keep Mm. seeking, keep asking questions and seeking to grow. Because when we do that, we will be that generation of leaders that are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Thank you for tuning in. For more episodes or information about SO, check out our website at so.org.au.